Hello, my pedigree chums. Welcome back to My Game Fiction Addiction. Or if you're new here, hello, come on in. Can I interest you in a hot beverage and possibly an accompanying biscuit? This is the podcast where usually every month, myself, Amy Mallett, and one of my many revolving guests deep dive into some of the best storylines and worlds of video games, talking character design, narrative direction, choices, feels, and wild theories. This episode is a bit different though, because if you are as obsessed with video games as I am, let your freak flag fly, you'll know that we're fresh off the back of E3, a massive games convention usually held in LA, but this year streamed digitally for obvious reasons. E3 is a big deal to gamers. It's where all the shiny new games get announced, new trailers drop, and new tech is unveiled. On our previous episode, myself and my dear friend Ben, who always gets super hyped for E3, decided to do a bonus episode where we shared our predictions for the big event. And it went down so well with you lot that we had a lot of requests to do a follow-up episode post E3 on our reactions, fave moments, and the games we are personally most excited about off the back of it. This is personally one of my favourite chinwags me and Ben have ever had on this podcast, as we not only have a good laugh and geek out, but we actually discuss some pretty major topics, including the transformation of E3 over the years, Halo fatigue, and even mental health surrounding our ever-growing backlist of games to play. Because I think many of us can relate to the strange anxiety fuel of having too much choice when it comes to entertainment. We're interested in everything, all of the time. So without further ado, here's the natter. Not going to do an outro on this one as it kind of speaks for itself, but please know we'll be back soon with more general gaming chit chat and deep dives into video game narratives. Kota 2, Half-Life and Resident Evil will all be in your ears before the year is through. Take care guys and enjoy the episode. Hey, just before you get stuck into the episode, I wanted to give you a little heads up. It was super hot when we recorded this day, like 30 degrees or something, which in the non-aircond UK is a lot. In fact, we get into that at the start of the episode. Anyway, because of said heat, I was sweating like a mofo in my little makeshift recording booth, so I had to vacate early on, thus abandoning my usual soundproofing and my pop shield. Because of this, the audio in this episode may contain a few extra pops, clicks, and soft thumps. Doesn't have any major impact, and you probably will only notice it if you're listening in headphones, but I just wanted you to be aware because I take great pride in my audio quality, darling, and this isn't the case on our other episodes. So yeah, tiny bit of snap, crackle, and hope you enjoy, guys. Bye! I should tell you, I am currently in a very sweaty cupboard. Ew, uh, <laughs> that's a saying. It's a million degrees here in the UK at the moment, and I know our American listeners will be like, it ain't even that hot, but it's hot for us because we don't have aircon, and our houses are just not built for a heat wave. If it gets up to 30 degrees, we're screwed. I've kind of had to like, <laughs> you should see me right now. I'm sprawled out with the microphone on the hardwood floor with my legs either side of it like a toddler. It's like the dark hole of heat. It just pulls <laughs> all the heat to it. It is. It is. It's a little heat sink.
Oh man, cool. Right, let's get cracking, dude. So E3 2021 is now over. We sat with bated breath through all of the conferences. We brought you our predictions and now we're going to bring you the things that we loved and the things we thought were really cool and basically our picks from E3 2021. So let's first of all begin by saying that we need to eat our words, Benjamin, because we were saying on the last episode that there's no way Elden Ring is going to rear its beautiful George R.R. Martinified head. There ain't a chance because it's in development hell. And then just before E3 had even kicked off proper, we got a massive gameplay drop for Elden Ring. It wanted to smite us. It wanted to prove us wrong. And it did. It looked brilliant. It looked far along. So we were we were wrong. So far along, in fact, that it's under a year to go. January uh, the 19th, 2022. Not long at all. Take my money. Take my money. It looks amazing. It's multiplayer aspect as well. Looks really cool. Very similar to a lot of Miyazaki's games and, and obviously the Dark Souls element combined with the high fantasy approach. You take on the role of a, a being called the Tarnished, which looks really awesome. And one of the main moments that, that broke the internet was in fact the horse jump. So this horse did this most incredible vertical leap in the trailer. If you haven't seen it, it's insane. So majestic. It really was. It was so majestic. And narratively, it has a lot of potential. So looking forward to it. Thought you were in development hell. You are very much alive and kicking. Gorilla Collective was the first um, major showcase that really caught my eye because they unveiled a wealth of lush little indies. Which projects or games from the Gorilla Collective showcase caught your eye? I love this sort of showcase because it really highlights just the quirk of the indie titles yes. um, obtainable to us. I love a bit of quirk in indies. So the first one that drew my eye was one called No Longer Home and it's like a story game about students reforming their identity after university overcoming borders separation from friends and it's like a mental health sort of one but it's just so it i don't know it just looks very intriguing because it's quite a common experience for anyone coming out of university oh god yeah post postgraduate depression is real absolutely yes so i'm really interested to see what they've got to offer there it could be an interesting one i think i agree it gives me um night in the woods vibes which obviously has become like a a real cult classic when it comes to dealing with um mental health and relationships and and stuff like that so yeah no longer home brilliant i think that's a great choice anything else there's one called kung fu kickball i've had it in my radar (sighs) i've had it in my radar and it looks cool it's 2d it's kickball it looks easy hand a controller over to someone else and they can pick it up it just looks fun that's one for our next games night then eh i think so talking of games that look like just really fun um did you see rawman i did see the trailer yes yeah i keep saying raw man but obviously i I guess it's kind of meant to be like ramen because obviously uh in the end of the trailer the dude's chilling in like a massive bowl of ramen um but it looks so fun it's a basically food fight simulator uh it looks a little bit fall guys-esque in the way that you've got different kind of challenges like at first I thought it was very much a battle royale but it seems like it's um a little bit of you know combat competitive um showdown modes but then also races but then also collectible modes and you can transform into a giant meatball you can throw food at each other I just think it looks wacky and wild and off the back of like knockout city and stuff like that I think that's kind of we need a lot more games like that that are competitive online but not necessarily a shooter there seems to be a lot of variety in it so there'll be something that appeals to everyone definitely another one i thought looked incredible i don't know if you saw the trailer for sable 
Oh, I did. Yes. Interesting art style. Oh my God. Interesting art style or what? Like it's beautiful. And the best thing about that is the developers are a group called Shedworks and they're actually a two person studio who were formed in a North London garden shed. Oh, I love that. That's insane, isn't it? So, I mean, the, it looks stunning. Um, and that's actually dropping September 23rd. So, um, yeah, that'll be one for me to me to give a go around that time. Anything else from you that you thought was cool? Vertigo. Have you seen the trailer for Vertigo? I did, yes. So the little blurb on it is like um, a a writer who, after an accident, kind of goes through the events through his own mind and tries to unpick it apart, something like that. But it just looks beautiful. It's very artistic. I reckon it could be a mind bender. There was one last one as well which caught my eye and that was Serial Cleaners. (laughs) Just for the <laughs> twisted sense of humour that that brings. So basically, you're uh, you're someone. It's like a, a bird's eye sort of view, but not directly from the top, but um, isometric, if you will. Yeah. It's basically about a man who's sneaking around this area that's had like a mass killing and just cleaning it up, hoovering away the blood <laughs> and all sorts, really, um, and trying not to be caught by the killers. I don't know. This looks quirky and. Uh, interesting for that reason really that's insane so you're just cleaning murder scenes basically and trying not to get detected behind the murderous facts yes. <laughs> that that level of neat freak that you're like i'm going to risk being stabbed oh, yeah <laughs> just to make sure i've like got the blood off that floor not even perturbed by the dead bodies just being like oh what a mess <laughs> forget battlefield 2042 Venice 2089 is where it's at, baby. They're actually owning the conversation around climate change rather than just kind of being like, oh, yeah, it's not really political context or anything. It's a world in which Venice is um, deeply affected by by climate change and you play as a young girl. You go around on like a little hoverboard and you basically have to navigate like the rising sea levels. So it's a little bit like... um, you know how Fez kind of changes dimension and angle mm. and you can sort of like, if you see the trailer for Venice 2089, it looks like that. It yeah. looks like you can almost like, it's 2D, but you can kind of switch uh, on a 3D axis. So you're kind of like traversing different routes. And it looks really cool because the rising sea levels really affect the gameplay. So as climate change is unfolding and you're kind of able to basically start trying to save this world and interact with people, it just it looks a little bit like Night in the Woods. Again, it's beautiful art style, but the sea levels are really cool because they change the environment. So all of a sudden you'll be hoverboarding from like the floor of like uh, a walkway or a courtyard into a roo- onto a rooftop because there's nowhere else to go because uh, the sea's kind of like swallowed up part of the level. Cool. So yeah, I thought that was really sick. I'm looking forward to that one. And then one final thing for me, Endling. You get to be a mama fox Ooh. and, you know, like look after your little foxlets. Yes, this one looked sad. It did because Endling is basically when you're the last of your species, right? So the idea behind the game is that foxes are basically going to go extinct. I mean, if you've heard them having a bloody jamboree in my garden in London, you'd know that that's not the case. there is a fox for every human in london i swear they come out at night (laughs) they rage (laughs) they make a sound that sounds like a baby being put through a blender and then they go back to sleep for the day um they are terrifying if you hear them at night but um, yeah it just looks so cute yeah oh they shriek they really shriek i think gecking gecking is the term that they use for a fox's cry um but yeah i thought endling looks super cute bit ori and the uh blind forest ish yes it is a little bit isn't it and Yes, you kind of one aspect of it gameplay wise that looked interesting is you're tracking down your your um, your baby that's been taken yes. and you're 
retreading the steps of the people who captured your baby. So you're mm. you're picking up on their scent and you're um, at the same time trying to keep your other ones that are still by you alive. Your offspring safe, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it does look really cool. I'm, I'm well up for that. And also potentially very sad. So, yeah. Okay, sweet. Next up then. We were together for this one. This was Ubisoft. Yay! Yay. We were sat next to each other eating ice cream on the settee, weren't we? Which is uh, the couch for anyone listening outside of the UK. The settee, sofa, whatever. We were, oh, we were having a time of our lives. It was so good to see you in person. The sad thing for me about Ubisoft um, was the... um, the old nail in the coffin, really, for my hopes and dreams, was that there was no sign of Beyond Good and Evil. Um, so boo to that. Boo, you whore. Boo, indeed. But then there was lots of stuff around Rainbow Six Extraction. I think Rainbow Six could be quite fun. I think it could be a very different approach because Siege is obviously competitive. This is more co-op. It's, uh, it's team-based. It's very tactical. I think Extraction could be fun. It could be a Left 4 dead kind of game, and I'm all about that, so... Much to most of Ubisoft's stuff, and of course this is me uh, saying, yes, obviously yes. Mike's my opinion, but um, <laughs> I, I, I just find that there's no excitement for Ubisoft's games mm. from myself personally. I do think that Rainbow Six Extraction is built on a very strong foundation of gameplay, which mm. could really propel it forward and it could be a really good game. Yeah. I just don't feel excited about it at the moment. I need to see more of it. I need to get hands on with it to really feel excited for that one, I think. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I mean, interestingly as well, we'll talk about this when we get to the end, but I think um, E3 on the whole these days is a little more underwhelming than maybe it used to be. And I think that is because, you know, we kind of we're aware of so many projects and products now before they're actually announced. E3 back in the day was kind of like a wham bam of surprises and like, oh, I can't believe that's in development. Whereas now, thanks to leaks and the internet and stuff like that, it, it isn't, I felt like, everything from UB was like, oh, I know about that. You know, there wasn't really anything new. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, and then I guess later on that evening, uh, we had Devolver, which by that point, me and you were well on the gin. Well on the gin. <laughs> we were. Uh, which probably made Devolver weirder, if it, that's even possible. <laughs> but it was strange, wasn't it, man? I mean, it is. I felt like they had this narrative from before and they want to keep the narrative going, but it's super weird, super surreal. Parts of it landed, parts of it didn't and half the time you really couldn't tell if they were joking which i guess is what they're going for my thoughts in their conference is their first one that they did where they're on the stage worked really well it was so good it was so so funny funny. and there's beauty and simplicity every year they've continued Mm. this narrative and it's gotten more and more meta to the point where it's just kind of so hard to follow and it's just lost the funny in it it's it's too clever for its own good so I think if they were to do it again, they just need to start off a fresh narrative. Yeah, I mean, the woman is cool. I love the woman. The main I love woman. all of them. I think they're all, they're, they've all got great ideas, but I think they've just, um, they've pushed it to a point now where, like you say, it's so meta it and is. it's so obscure that they can't really go anywhere else with it. Um, yeah. Besides it just being, uh, I don't know, like a David Lynch directed conference. Like it's just insane. And uh, yeah, and it didn't make me want a hot dog actually, um, <laughs> despite all the hot dog eating that went on in it. <laughs> Every frame, somebody was throwing a hot dog in their face. Um, but yeah, I the only one really from um, uh, Devolver that really grabbed me was I think the same for you, Trek to Yomi. Yeah, that looked good. Oh, I love I love the look of it. I can always be yes. caught by a good art style. The fact that it's two D, 
Yep. The yep. fact that it has like a filmic sort of black and white quality to it. Like, oh, film grainer. Yeah. 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 It just looks very intriguing. I want to see more of that game. Me too. Me too. It sort of made me think about how, you know, obviously Ghost of Tsushima has the black and white mode that's kind of designed to emanate the classic samurai movies. Absolutely. I felt like it was also a slight nod to that. Like it felt like you were playing an old school samurai <laughs> film. It was almost like someone had the idea of going, ah, oh, let's make an amazing 2D action side scroller um with that in mind and like the silhouettes the kind of like the way the black and white is used it's beautiful so yeah more of trek to yomi please then we had gearbox which i mean i might just like edit in a wet fart sound for this part of the podcast <laughs> with you because this was underwhelming as hell um it, there was nothing really to kind of shout about they didn't really do too much more. They showed the same teaser I think they showed previously for um, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. Um, and there was a little bit about the Borderlands movie, but no actual trailer. Um, and honestly, I can't even remember what else there was, but it was one of probably the worst Gearbox shows I think we've seen. The only thing that stood out to me was the Tiny Tina's game. Someone, when explaining it, said something about it having like D&D mechanics. It's got a Dungeons & Dragons vibe. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. looking forward to it. I'm definitely looking forward to it. I just felt like they, that could they, be interesting. Yeah, they needed to show more of that. I think they just needed more substance, to be honest. Like Gearbox are making great stuff, but that as an event, as a showcase, didn't really offer much of value. A bit of a deep sigh, really, wasn't it? It was just not much else it was a deep sigh yeah <laughs> so benji let's get to the one the ultimate your favorite xbox and bethesda so many of our predictions and our sort of hopefuls from our last episode stemmed around xbox and bethesda so you got the floor girl take it away oh well let's talk about predictions for a second because they brought out joseph staten Unfortunately, not like Hannibal Lecter, because that would have been <laughs> awesome. But um, they brought him out. They did it. They did they the dirty. Did. So you were technically wrong there, but you know. I mean, just too much detail. I was on a roll. What can I say? <laughs> but um, I mean, Halo. Oh, I'm looking forward to that one. That is going to be very good. They seem to be nailing every aspect of it. They've taken their time with it. And this one's going to, they just feel, it feels like three, four, three are listening. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think you will adore it. I personally, it's such a weird thing because like obviously you are one of my best friends, but this is something that we do disagree on. Like I actually, in my notes, I wrote, I'm over Halo. And then I noticed that you went in and changed it to, I'm so hyped for Halo. And I was like, damn it, you noticed. I was like, you sneaky bitch. Um, yeah, I, I just, I'm kind of over Halo and I'm really sorry about it, internet. I really, really am. I, it's, oh, it's such an unpopular opinion, but I just feel like it's, it, it never left 2009. I'm sorry. It just doesn't look, it doesn't look any better than it did in like, halo reach or whatever it for me it just really doesn't and hasn't done enough to really make me as a lapsed player want to jump back in but hey if that's your thing i reckon you're going to be really really entertained and i reckon you will personally love it i'm gonna probe you on yeah that. okay um <laughs> <laughs> oi not there though <laughs> i'm just gonna poke you in the squishy bits um no so when you say it hasn't progressed in what sense what what, what are you looking for in a halo game as someone who doesn't really play it what would entice you? Well, I used to. I used to. I I played. I played the heck out of Reach, and I really enjoyed. I think it was Halo Three as well. Um, I just for me, it it's just the visuals are not upgraded enough. Personally, like I just like Cortana in that cutscene that they showed looked like Halo Three. 
or it looked like Fable 3, you know, like when the mouth doesn't quite move in time with the dialogue. Like visually, I just don't think it's upgraded itself along with other titles. If you look at things like, you know, I mean, obviously this is a great, great example, but The Last of Us, you know, if you look at like the mocap and the way that it moves, it's just very different looking. Um, and they are very different styled games. That's fine. The art style is totally different, but I just feel like the visuals could be upgraded a little bit more. And I feel like every time I see it, I can, I just, I don't know what it is. It's just something about it that I can never tell. If you showed me that trailer, I could have thought that was Halo 4. And I could not have known that that was Halo Halo 6 or whatever we're on now. Okay. I think this is just such an interesting discussion point. So I'm yeah, going to pull it yeah. this way for a second. I have found on my internet dwellings that, um, <laughs> that it does seem to be that people are very, also in the community itself, but more so from the outsiders now, is there seems to be this very much a dialogue about the graphics of it yeah which is interesting because hello's always been a bit more cartoony in its aesthetic it has yeah it has but um i see what you mean for about like the mocap and whatnot because i think it does look a bit gamery yeah uh, it's interesting i think i just think like i think they know what they are it's not battlefield so they don't need to do a million people on the thing mm. they're going to be a, it's going to be a tight arena shooter yeah it, it seems to be going for a reboot which is of sorts like a soft reboot which is what it needed to do i always remember last year before the conference there was like a big the story so far and i'm yeah. a halo fan and i was confused through that it was the most convoluted <laughs> mess of a video i can't even remember who did it but it was just it was just the story so complicated so reboot yeah, yeah. it reboot it yeah um, i agree but yeah so they're doing so much right it's a shame that in the gaming industry we we put so much on graphical Delity yeah. as our book cover yeah. that we interests us. I completely yeah. agree because I think the thing is with me, I you know me, I play a lot of the of older games, and I, you know, I I'm never. I'm never one to shy away from like, I mean, prime example is Kota, you know, a lot of people, I know for a fact, like not to call him out on this because I love him to death, but Leo, my boyfriend is like that. He's very much like, oh, that looks really outdated. And yeah, it. I mean, you know, things like Kota and, and you know, even Half-Life do, but I will still sit down and play the original Half-Life because I think it holds up in every other aspect. Like, I completely agree that visuals aren't everything. My only point with Halo is that it just seems like it has had no change in the last like decade. That's my only point with Halo. I feel like, you know, if you look at like um, uh, Call of Duty, for example, you know, around the same time, you can clearly see this curve, this gradient of like visual fidelity improving and you just don't really get that with Halo. Like you say, it is a little bit more cartoony. Maybe that's why. Um, but yeah, I that's the only thing for me. And I think you know the whole thing with uh chief and cortana and stuff i mean what is going i have lost the plot with <laughs> the storyline mm. yeah yeah i agree I, I i think you're making very valid points i really do yeah yeah that doesn't take me away from thinking that you know obviously you're gonna love it and i think a lot of other halo fans will and maybe if we play online together i might i might really get into the gameplay because the the multiplayer of halo was always what used to grab me in general um so you know running around with a with a light sword just like stabbing people was always my jam so i'm sure i can get behind it again um but yeah yeah just it's just really exciting. interesting to, to just discuss it because it 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 plays into the wider context of gaming nowadays doesn't it so it's just an interesting it's an interesting one yeah 
no absolutely and i do think people put a lot of value on uh, on graphics and i think they they shouldn't necessarily like i say i think halo if just it's just the it's just the lack of 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 change i think really that kind of gets me with it but but i do think with halo infinite microsoft um might be starting to bring it's exclusives into dock which is a big part of the we always joke about the old console war kids coming out sticking you know e3 always sticks 50p in the back of every console war kid but we uh spoke before about you know sony have kind of dominated the last couple of generations based on their exclusives and i think we've got halo now we've got starfield what did you think about that very teasery um i will reserve my excitement for down the road i think okay yeah that was where the cheese sandwich was by the way oh i missed that really i'll have to rewatch for the cheese sandwich ah it whipped up the it whipped up the e-boys and girls into a frenzy the cheese sandwich the cheese sandwich is disappointed with myself (laughs) if they put half as much effort into the game as they did that cheese sandwich i will be very impressed um but yeah so that was starfield also redfall was like their one last thing mic drop wasn't it i was i was quite impressed by that i I don't know if it will be like basically left for dead with vampires it's too early to say but i was impressed at like a new IP. And it also meant that I got a point for my predictions because that and Starfield, two brand new IPs. I don't know if they're Game Pass Day 1 exclusives, but I imagine Starfield will be, but I don't know about Redfall. Okay, anyway. Miss Cannon, your points. Point me. But I think, yeah, it's hard to pin down what that game exactly will be, what kind of a game it will be. So that's an interesting one to watch. Uh, Even though it's a CG trailer, um, yeah, it does look fun. It does look. It has a fun vibe, and Arcane are very competent developers. So that's the thing. Arcane have got a great pedigree. They, like nobody's stressed at that, are they? Yeah, they've got a good yeah. names themselves. So that's one to watch. Hopefully next yeah. year we'll see more. Absolutely. Yeah. Fingers crossed for more Redfall. I th- I am intrigued to see how that stacks up. And I mean, talking of Game Pass again, Game Pass was really the hero of the Xbox and Bethesda conference because it just it wouldn't shut up you know it was like me after i've had too much rum it's like a jack-in-the-box that just won't stay down it won't stay down it was constantly just like hey game pass hey game pass you know that bit in shrek where donkey's like me 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 i know that was game pass it was just constantly waving being like oh hey hey i'm here i'm here and yeah it really stole the show game pass it was every game (laughs) pretty much (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And how exciting, because you've got that excitement from watching all these cool new games and to know that if you just go into that subscription service anyway, that you're just going to be able to pay yep. them day one. That's amazing. That yes. is really yeah. good. You know, that's unheard it's of. It's so cool, yeah. It's a real investment. It's a real investment. Um, yeah, I really thought Game Pass. Game Pass is paying for itself, you know? Like, I don't know about Redfall, I can't remember, but I'm sure Starfield was. Um, I'm not much. Maybe you start. No, Starfield was. Yeah, because it's Bethesda. Starfield was. Bethesda. Yes, first party. Um, I think Redfall might be too. I'll have to double check. But it is Bethesda, so I would think so. Yeah. 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 There were just so, so many. Game Pass went crazy. And yeah, I mean, not only are we getting more exclusives for Xbox in the form of Redfall and Starfield and Halo, but also Psychonauts 2 is happening and it's happening real soon it's coming out in August like people have been waiting for Psychonauts 2 for the longest time so the fact that that is a game pass day one as well I've never played Psychonauts so that's probably one that if I hear enough buzz about
about it after it drops, I might be intrigued. Yes. Well, actually, the current Psychonauts, the first Psychonauts, is actually on Game Pass now. So if you did want to play it ahead of the new one, I mean, I it's just, it's an insane game. You can't even explain what happens in that game, but it's really funny. Uh, and also... On board for Psychonauts 2, you've got Tim Schafer, who obviously wrote um, Grim Fandango and was on board for Grim Fandango, which is one of my favourite games of all time. So I think it's going to have a funny bone. I think it's going to have a real funny bone. And I am excited for the, the humour and the, the surrealism that's going to come with Psychonauts for sure. Another one that caught my eye was Atomic Heart. Weird music choice. Very weird music choice. I like a bit I of weird. I thought I accidentally... <laughs> I love a bit of weird. I love a bit it's, weird. <laughs> it literally, it was like I'd switched over to Eurovision. Yes. I was just like, what the hell is playing through my TV right now? But it looks like somewhere between Bioshock and, oh, I don't even know, like a, a Konami-ish, like Kojima-y Bioshock. It was so weird. And I lo- it looked awesome. Atomic Heart, I want you. I want you in my life. I think the thing with Atomic Heart as well is because it's quirky. Yeah. I love my first playthrough of games because I love just not understanding and just like just tripping forwards through the game world and just kind of discovering things off the cuff. So yes, definitely. I think that could be a really good experience with that game in particular. Yes, I completely agree. And then the only other one that I thought was absolutely stellar is Somerville, which looks like Inside slash Limbo, both of which we've covered on this podcast in sort of deep dive story breakdown. It looks like Inside and Limbo, but like if you were a family, if you were a party of four, you've got a pair pair of um, parents and then you've got a kid and a dog. There's one guy from Playdead, I think, who's working on it. So it technically, you can understand where where the Limbo Inside aesthetic has come from. Um, because it's obviously been taken from Playdead. But um, it just looks like, yeah, inside meets maybe a bit of Disco Elysium. It looks so eerie and creepy. And even at the end of the trailer, when the little kid sits up like he does at the beginning of Limbo, I was like, yeah, man, that's going to be really cool. It looks so good in every respect aspect whatever i think you've got aspect and respect right there you just gave me two terms <laughs> nobody from the listeners has actually uh, pointed out some of your benisms yet and i've left quite a lot of them in some of them are too um too problematic to stay in i'm afraid <laughs> guys <laughs> From Ben has a thing where he just he doesn't say the right word, but he says as close to that word as possible. So uh, I believe one of them was rememberable when you meant to say memorable. Um, another one was the badge of proudness when you meant to say pride. Um, and it's just really cute. I love it. I, I've actually, do you know what? I started editing them out and then I was like, no, I'm just going to keep them in. And I, <laughs> I can't tell if people think you just don't know how to speak or whether they think they're intentional. But either way, they're great and keep them coming. One day they'll be on a T-shirt. <laughs> I think one of my favourite ones, and I'll leave it to the listener's imagination, but I was meant to say, so-and-so, rep, uh, this character rubbed up the one person the wrong way. And I didn't say up, I said another word, and it sounded very not safe for work. You were just like, he rubs him off the wrong way. And I was like, oh, you said Excuse it. Excuse me, ah. I can't remember that bit in Kota. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh my god the inner workings of my mind play psychonauts hey that is very much the inner workings of your mind so what were you excited about from xbox and bethesda so there's going to be some quick fire ones here so battlefield looks amazing oh even if if it's just multiplayer do you prefer that's all i care about from battlefield give it to me <laughs> i'm down for it um back for blood need my left for dead vibes back in 
my veins. Yeah. I it's love been so long Left since we've played Left 4 Dead, and I love Left 4 Dead so much that Back for Blood is just like an instant buy for me. And it's day one game pass. Hooray! Yay! Hurrah! Hurrah! Um, Stalker 2 looks interesting. Looks a bit heavy to like narratively, so you've got to be in the right mind frame for it, but I'm totally down yep. to explore some. Well, I think the thing that entices me is the first game everyone says was really buggy, but it was perfectly buggy. Like, in its setting, like, things were mm. weird. And so I almost hope that that is back in the second game because I just want to explore this zone where where reality is just just on the back burner a little mm. bit, you know, and, and um, things get that weird That uncanniness, that uncanny, kind of, like, yes. it's, it's ever so slightly offbeat. Yeah, 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 I know what you mean. I didn't get the last night uh, this year, unfortunately. I ache for that game. But what I did get was replaced, which looks kind of cool i remember one of the shots from replaced that was kind of like a, a sort of murky rain smattered street and the the effects like the kind of the lighting was so clever for a 2d game it really did give it that kind of 2.5 sort of effect where it felt like um it, there was an element of 3d to it like a different dimension you couldn't quite touch but i thought the rain just the beautiful visuals there i'm i'm really excited for replaced some last quick fire ones 12 minutes. Yeah. We'll definitely get down with that game. James McAvoy's in it, isn't he? Yeah. I reckon it'll be a one and done game, but yeah. I'm totally down for that. Um, Party Animals, love me a bit of Gang Beasts. Gang Beasts, but like more adorable, basically. And with weapons. So yes. I'm down for that. And Age of Empires 4, I loved myself some Age of Empires when I was younger. Oh, no way. I never played it. Oh, I got really into it. So um, I want to kind of rekindle that passion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, 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 bring the lights down low for <laughs> Age of Empires 4. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. I mean, it's the kind of game that I can imagine you would lose a lot of your time to. I remember me on Theme Park World. Theme Park the World I, was I, awesome. I lost hours of my life. Anything that's kind of like a civvy or a, yeah, just anything strategy based like that. I can, yeah, I, I try to genuinely avoid them because I will go into like a coma and I will just never come out. And then I'll never see you again. I'll never see my boyfriend again. I'll never see my family again. It's a real test, Ben. To find balance in life. It's a hard thing to find <laughs> with all these good looking games. My worst fear is like, I don't know, I'm going to develop arthritis when I'm in my 80s and I won't be able to play. I'm doing hand exercises now, man. Uh, I do worry about that, actually. <laughs> it's a real, real concern of mine. I'm like, it is. I don't mind if my legs go, but like my hands, never. <laughs> oh, dear. So moving on then to Square Enix. Square Enix, Square Annex, Potato Potato, let's call the whole thing off. The one I get most excited about every year is Square Enix because I'm a massive fan of androgynous men and massive swords. Uh, make of that what you will. Very innuendo isn't it, this podcast? I was, yeah, yeah, this is like, <laughs> I, I sort of, for a minute, I thought you were my therapist. I was let down by the lack of Final Fantasy, naturally, because I was like, give us some stuff about Remake Part 2, and they obviously aren't going to. It's probably going to be 2023, but I refuse to think about that because I refuse to think about any year after I am 30. Stranger of Paradise came along. This was the game that I was actually talking about during our predictions, the Team Ninja uh, Final Fantasy crossover. So basically Neo and Final Fantasy kind of merging together, an action-packed RPG that's really challenging, quite tough. And uh, yeah, they actually showed it and they showed a trailer and it was one of the moments up there with the bloody vertical leaping horse and the cheese sandwich in Starfield that sent the internet into a meme frenzy. I'm here to kill chaos. I don't know if you've seen that trailer, but they say the word chaos every 
probably eight seconds. I want to kill chaos. Maybe a little bit less. Um, it's a proper drink when you hear chaos scenario, Ben. Chaos. It's so funny and it's so cheesy and just like, ugh. And, and there are also just three dudes that aren't necessarily particularly appealing characters. Nothing really edgy about them. They're all very template-y. That said, your girl played the demo. It's actually hella fun. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> It's really fun. It's, uh, oh man, the final boss bit took me forever. But like, it's actually a pretty meaty demo and it's it's very cleverly authentic and organic in the way that it really does truly feel like the love child of Neo in Final Fantasy. Like, it is challenging. All the action RPG elements are there. You can kind of switch between Final Fantasy classes on the fly. So you can kind of become a mage if you feel like that's going to give you the edge in battle and then switch back to a swordsman. And it's also got this really cool system where you can sort of like take enemy skills that are being used on you and like basically absorb them and use them back, which is pretty cool. So there's a lot of really awesome mechanics there that I really liked. That said, the AI is dumb as hell. Oh no. They are dense. <laughs> they do not dodge attacks. They do not dodge explosions. They are about as much use as a chocolate teapot. Uh, but despite the memes, despite the AI, I do think it has potential. I think it's the actual action and the gameplay was really solid. So Stranger of Paradise, I'm, yeah, I'm holding out hope for you. I want to kill Chaos. It's the sort of archetype of game that I've just never really gotten into, but I will never say never. Yeah, yeah, totally. What what was Square Enix for you? What stole Square Enix for you? To be fair, just the one, really. Um, and it was Guardians. Not that I was yeah. like really pumped for it, but I do mm. think, um, I reckon it would be a good linear storytelling thing. Um, it seems to have choice and dialogue. I don't think it really branched out too much, if I'm honest, but... I think it could be a fun ride. I'm not expecting much from it. I'm the same. I'm very sceptical after after Eidos Montreal and Crystal Dynamics worked on Avengers and after Avengers really tanked the way it did. I'm just very sceptical about this whole like... Uh, my friend Alex, actually. Hey, Alex, if you're listening. Um, he has an awesome podcast called What's Your Spaghetti Policy? Go listen. It's fab. Um, but he was saying about how it's kind of a this off-brand MCU, you know, where it's kind of like it's meant to be capitalizing on the movies, but it's not really doing it realistically. It's just sort of like an off-brand version of it um, where Chris Pratt looks a lot like Macklemore. Um, I, oh, have you seen the memes? <laughs> God, you're so into the memes. I've seen none of this. <laughs> this is my life, Ben. I just, dog videos and memes. Um, yeah, I, um, yeah, it's just really funny. Like, he does look a lot like Macklemore, but he doesn't quite look like Chris Pratt at all. And obviously, you know, they're not going to use his likeness, but it's just that little bit of an uncanniness about it. And I don't know, I... I want them to do a better job on Guardians than they did on the Avengers. And they do seem to have licensed some really good tunes. So, I mean, that's what, that's nice half of the Guardians, of yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that's half of the Guardians of the Galaxy experience is the music. So, fingers crossed, they've got that just right. But I think, again, something else that's quite crucial is that you're playing as one character. You're only playing as Star-Lord. Whereas yeah. with Avengers, they kind of spread themselves really thin because they tried to ultimately, you know let you play as everyone and the same kind of I think you pointed this out the same area that would work for the Hulk wouldn't really work for Iron Man so it's that kind of you know one size fits all that ended up appealing to no one hopefully this time when you can kind of control Drax and Rocket and Groot you will be able to do a better job of actually making that gameplay feel a lot more solid than just like a template for every Avenger 
I think as well, when it's designed in such a way, the longer you spend in Star-Lord as Star-Lord, you really embody him. And so the characters actually yes. have have character. I think that's where Adventures went wrong yeah, as well. Yeah. I mean, I haven't played it. I've barely seen it much of it since it's released. But I have. I, I was so excited for it. I, me, and my, me and my lads, um, James and George and, and Sam, we were like, oh yeah, we'll play it. And then we did play it and we were like, yeah, we won't play it again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just feel like the more... Sometimes in those games where you play everyone mm. is... You, 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 it's kind of like the what do they call it um, the sort of faceless protagonist yes. almost yeah, yeah, yeah. with characters and you kind of strip away the character that is there mm. absolutely no I completely agree I think maybe because they're focusing more on Peter Quill and Star-Lord I think maybe they'll do more with that and the the actual um, the dialogue options was quite an interesting touch like it looks like there's a lot of work to be done there but I think, you know, that could be another interesting dynamic that we didn't see as much of in Avengers. So Could be. Yeah. Could be, but it could be very shallow too. Oh, it could be. Yeah, it could be like, will you piss off Rocket or Groot? Always Rocket. Groot is bae. And will it ever matter? Yeah, exactly. Will it ever play into anything? Talking of decisions and of, uh, choices influencing gameplay, we also saw the Life is Strange collection. Um, I personally, I've only really dabbled in the first couple of episodes and I never really finished Life is Strange and I feel deeply sorry about that too. Uh, for, as the presenter of a video game storyline podcast, how can I even sleep at night? I need to get on that and actually finish the whole series. And True Colors looks pretty sick as well. So yeah, Life is Strange is, is holding, its, holding its own. True Colors does look good. I look forward to that one. I haven't, again, not really played much of it. There's too many games out there, but it has always intrigued me. I think it is one of those ones where choices do matter a little bit more than maybe like Telltale, you know, where Telltale were very much like, you know, you're on rails, but you'll get to do a few things differently along the way. So PC gaming show. I really like the look of Solstice, which is like an action RPG where you play as two sisters. One of them is like a little floating ghost, kind of gave me like Eco and Yorda vibes. And it just looks really pretty. And I'm quite intrigued by that one in particular. Okay, cool. I I can't remember that one, but I'm, I think I have seen it. It's ringing a vague bell. Yeah, Solstice looks really cool. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a, a trailer. Another one was Far Changing Tides. Now, I never actually played the first one. Kind of like a, almost Little Nightmares-ish. You're like a kind of ambiguous, humanoid-ish uh, character and you have to just like repair this massive steampunk ship and get it from like you know port to port and sort of like navigating this almost apocalyptic very desolate world and that looked intriguing so I was definitely on board for that huh on board I did a pun there Ben unintentionally mm. I love God. an unintentional one <laughs> uh, unintentional oh <laughs> Jurassic Park Evolution 2, my boy Jeff Goldblum doing the narration. Yeah, I mean, I remember the first one, so... Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, mixed, mixed reviews. And we'll see, we'll see. We'll see what that comes out to be. What about you? What did you like from the PC gaming show? There was one that caught my eye, and that one was... Mecha Jammer. Mecha Jammer. That sounds like a, a Transformer. Uh, but also an EDM DJ. Cyberpunk vibes. Uh, a lot of games seem to go that way lately. Um, 2.5D again. Oh, I actually, I'm actually remembering what it looks like. Um, it's cool. It's kind of got isometric elements as well. I think it says that turn base and stuff, which I'm down for to mix things up a bit. So yeah, it looked good. It looked good. 
Cool. You were saying like it's kind of that style halfway between pixel and like low poly, which you quite enjoy, don't you? Yes. Good art style. Seems to have some interesting, fresh gameplay. Bring it to me. Bring it to me now. On a silver platter. Chop, chop. Spit spot. So Capcom. I actually lost a point here from our predictions because I said that there would be VR integration for Resident Evil 8 because I feel like the thirsty old internet needs more Lady D in their lives. And uh, yeah, there was no such thing. However, there was talk about some DLC, but we saw jack shite of it. So nowhere, no idea what it's going to be like. Hopefully it'll be good. Um, and then next month, Reverse is dropping, which I'm excited to try out. You know, could be cool. Resi catches my eye. Um, the stuff they've been doing recently with Resi has been looking very enticing. Mm. As someone who's never played the franchise before, I want to hop in one day. I'll probably hop in for the remakes of like the earlier ones. Oh yeah, two is two and three are great. Well, three is very short, but it it is good. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously they can't. Obviously they're doing the DLC, but they can't keep pumping out Resident Evil. So I think the day that they release something of a similar vein, um then I'll be grabbed. But otherwise, Capcom aren't really doing much else that grabs my attention at the moment. Yeah, no, I I felt the same way. I felt like it was mainly, I mean, the three things that stood out for me were Ace Attorney, Monster Hunter and and Resident Evil. And I wasn't massively, I wasn't sort of massively enthralled by any of them. I mean, the DLC for Resi, I'm excited about, obviously, but we didn't really see any of it. So yeah, uh, that was kind of it, really. Capcom was... uh, was a bit of a bit of a fizzler. There was a, a few fizzlers this year. There was a few fizzlers. There were a few fizzlers. I was a bit worried on the first day, I must admit, and then things picked up a bit. But yeah, yeah, I think I think I think the best. I mean, well, we've got Nintendo to talk about next, but I do think Nintendo and an E three and E three, Nintendo and Xbox and Bethesda probably had the most successful um, showcases. Uh, but I think as a convention on the whole, I I mean, we can get into this at the end, but. I was not overwhelmingly impressed, but I think there are some reasons for that. And I'm kind of willing to give you three the benefit of the doubt. So we will get to that point. Interesting. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So Nintendo, they had the final say this year um, uh, in terms of like the bigger conferences and they really teased the Zelda fans and... I was watching it on YouTube and obviously you can see like on the right, there's that stream of consciousness, isn't there, from people just going, Zelda, lol, I'm first. Zelda, who's this? Which conference is this? Why do people bother with the live chat? Because by the time you put something in, it's disappeared anyway. Why do people bother? One one guy, one guy was like, hi, Dave. I was like, mate, Dave hasn't seen that. It's gone. It's (laughs) gone. (laughs) Dave is not going to see that. it's just the weirdest thing that I can never wrap my head around and it's just distracting so that instantly gets turned off for me oh I just kept it on for the laughs but yeah they would the Zelda fans were going mental because obviously uh if you did watch the Nintendo conference you will know they left that to the 11th hour and they did everything in their power to make it seem like they weren't going to say it it was like okay so finally let's talk about Zelda everyone rubs their hands with glee like Mr Burns and then they were like so we've uh what are the what was the first thing they've remastered some old zelda games or some cobblers and then they were like oh and here's a little game and watch thing you can play on zelda here's a zelda alarm clock here's a zelda themed lucasade here's everything else and they fans you could just tell were like wringing out their hands like for the love of god just give us something to do with breath of the wild 2 and finally they mic dropped 
in the 11th hour and kind of just, you know, I think lots of people were on the verge of switching off basically at that point. I think anyone holding their breath was well and truly gone by that point. <laughs> oh God, I, re- I really thought they were. I was I was actually screaming at the at the stream. I was kind of like, Nintendo, you, you. <laughs> Honestly. They knew what they were doing. The cheek, the nerve, the gall, the audacity. The gumption. And the gumption. I was like, Nintendo, the cheek of you. And then they finally released it. And it, to be fair, I'm not the biggest Zelda fan in the world. Like my friend Jamie, who I do um, uh, Dice with Death with, my other podcast, he's a huge Zelda fan. I'm really hoping to have him on this podcast when we finally get around to talking about Zelda. But um. I mean, it's a great, amazing franchise and it is super cool. And I've played Breath of the Wild, but I I do think it looks really awesome. Never really grown up with Nintendo in mm. my hands. So Same. I was always PlayStation me. Yeah. Yeah. So a bit. I, I do find that Zelda and stuff like that is one of the things, what the sort of game that other platforms don't really have. Nothing really compares to it. It's like, it's the original, you know, it's, it's, it's its own little thing and it's so special. So it looks really good when you see anything of it, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. And similar to Resi, I think Zelda was doing the thing uh, really before Resi, to be honest, where it constantly reinvents itself and it still manages to look amazing every single time. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think Zelda is it's going to be brilliant. It absolutely is. Um and yeah, I mean, there wasn't masses besides Zelda that really stood out for me in Nintendo. The thing that I thought looked really cool was Metroid Dread. Um, I obviously had in my predictions, I think, uh, maybe it wasn't discussed on the last podcast, but I was thinking about it. Metroid Prime 4, they did come out and name drop it and say it's in the works, which is great. Uh, but in the meantime, they fed us a cute little uh, 2D Metro, uh, Metroid, sorry. And uh, yeah, Samus is well and truly back in her 2D glory. And it's the first 2D Metroid game in like 19 years or something. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's quite a feat then. That's it good. It does look really awesome. It looks really cool. I'd recommend going and watching the Metroid Dread trailer because I think that will be a nice tasty appetizer to kind of, you know, get fans by until Metroid Prime comes out. It was honouring the foundations for which the the IP was born, really. So yeah, yeah absolutely. We lived those glory days. The Switch Pro was obviously missing uh, from... Uh, this was the kind of big elephant in the room, really, for Nintendo, wasn't it? Like, Breath of the Wild they managed to talk about and they managed to give us some little tidbits on that. But the Switch Pro was so heavily rumoured to be shown at E3 um, and it wasn't and we didn't get a peep out of it. So it's a bit of a strange one. Like, I don't know necessarily why that is exactly it could be that maybe the pandemic has like it's done with a lot of different console development and game development slowed the process down so parts have been harder to get hold of uh teams have had to work from home things have been kind of tricky uh to get something that big off the ground so maybe that could be part of the reason why it sort of derailed their plans to unveil the switch pro it might be that they unveil the switch pro at one of their own nintendo directs because that's kind of like they're pretty regular now aren't they anyway um so they they have the option to do that um and the other thing is just that maybe you know it's one of those things where fans just overhyped it and this is kind of coming full circle to my last point about e3 in general but we have leaks we have so much to go on from the internet these days that nothing's i feel like there's almost so much pressure on developers before it's even begun like if we didn't have that melting pot and bubbling over pot of like oh the switch pro is going to be announced at e3 i think the entire v3 would be way more impressive for all of us gamers but unfortunately we get so much 
like poop staring beforehand, should I say, that it just, it sometimes can make the event really underwhelming because you're expecting so much. Your expectations have been lifted by the internet. Wow. You are saying some real key words there because <laughs> I think they, they, the main word is expectations. Yes. And it yes. becomes less about excitement and more about this is what, it's almost like a role reversal, isn't it? Of the consumer telling the manufacturer, this is what we want. Yes. Um, and this is what we expect. Yeah. And are you going to deliver it? Whereas like back in the day, you'll be told what you're getting and you'll be excited nonetheless. I think we're just spoiled nowadays in all regards, but... I think you're so right. I think you're so right. That analogy is perfect, mate. We as the consumer are the demanding ones now. We're in the hot seat. Uh, We, through the limitless power of the internet, decide what it is that we think we're getting and we stick to that and we're like a disappointed child on Christmas Day when we don't see the things that we were expecting. And often that's, you know, back in the day that wouldn't have been an issue. Um, Games got made when they got made. We got announcements when we got announcements. And another thing that me and my manager were talking about uh, yesterday is that um, we feel as though the surprise element of E3 was half the fun back in the day. It was the idea that you saw so many things you had no idea were even in development. Whereas these days, it's like, thanks to leaks, thanks to, you know, news and articles and, you know, game developers getting pressured all year long to kind of like give people these little tidbits. I think there's so much that we already know that going into something like E3, like I personally thought E3 2021 was underwhelming. Like it was, it was okay. It was fun. There were some good bits and Bethesda and Nintendo kind of, you know, did the best I think out of everyone. And the fact that Sony aren't there anymore does leave that massive blue gaping hole. Um, but yeah, I just feel like, is, is that the case? Is it that we're, we're not surprised anymore because of the limitless resources we have as gamers now? There is a lot more of a build-up to E3 now. I completely agree with you. I think with quite a few of the announcements at E3 itself, it would have been far more... It would have landed so much better and with a punch if they were just reserved for the event itself. Yeah. It's almost like a race to be the first out the door with the info for your own particular game to beat the crowd. Um, Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's like I I see your teaser about Guardians and I raise you this bit about Monster Hunter. And yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, because I think this is a very branching issue here. I think there's such an art as to how to market a game. And I feel like oftentimes it's not done as well as it could be there's such a like a a sort of ebb and flow or a very kind of short lasting hype factor um and so i just find that with i just find that these little news drops before e3 don't really utilize i don't know it's just not it's like if i'll be honest far cry is one of those franchises I always want to hop into. And one day I will hop into Fran- Far Cry. Maybe next next entry will be the one. And this time again, I feel like I would be so much more excited for this game if I knew less about it. Or if it was... Yeah, yeah. It, it, how many trailers have we had the past two weeks for that game? And it's almost like diluted my... Um, yeah. My excitement, excitement for it. Yeah. 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 No, I completely agree. And I think that's the thing. Back in the day... Uh, you know, God, we are our parents, aren't we? <laughs> oh, 
know. We we make fun of boomers, but how many times on this podcast, this episode alone, if we said back in the day, um, I do think you know it, it's that classic thing of like the imagination being all powerful. You know, kind of way more uh, equipped to entertain us and hype us than actually the real media can do if we only get a snippet of something we can kind of fill in the rest and we can get really excited about it when you see so much stuff like far cry we have had loads of drops about far cry and it does feel like it's already it's basically out but i think it's not till october so it's been it's been a while um we've got a while to go but we've already seen so much of that game um and yeah, I do. I think the more mysterious ones, definitely, you know, the enigmas are the things that grab your attention. And yeah, I just think your your imagination is better equipped to hype you than media. And I definitely think as well that um, like behind the scenes sort of documentaries, sort of uh, by docs as Free for Free or Bungie used to call them or development diaries, basically, uh, are that way to provide the hardcore fans with that extra layer of information but I think I don't know how do you how do you balance it it's interesting to observe isn't it it is from an outside perspective definitely um and I mean I've kind of screwed myself a little bit by working in the industry these days because E3 to me is I'm always going to have something spoiled because it's the nature of the job but I think you know what I another thing as well you mentioned obviously like developer diaries and stuff but so many of these drops happen in uh, semi-regular events like Nintendo Direct, like UB Forward and Sony State of Play. E3 itself has kind of been a bit diluted in that way because everything is happening all year round now. So, I mean, that's a great thing for gamers. We're never having to wait till just June, but it definitely it definitely dispels some of the hype around that one convention. It's not quite as powerful as it used to be when you've got a million Nintendo Directs and UB Forwards all the way through the year anyway, spilling the tea, spilling the beans. Um, yeah, I just don't think it has the gravitas that it once had, sadly. I love these words that are coming out with. You sound so, like, intellectual. But um, I think the... Par- I'm very verbose, darling. One, one kind of final point I wanted to make on the matter was I think the parallel being that um, with TV... Now we have like a billion channels and it's hard to find something you want to watch. And in the game yes. industry, there just seems to be so many games now, which is brilliant. It's great. It, you know, it draws in that wider mm. crowd. And of course, there's always going to be some games that draw you more and you've got to be picky and choosy to a certain extent. Uh, but just with the time factor of anything. I think there's a completionist nature to every gamer. And I think it makes you sad when you see all these awesome games come and go that you just can't play oh my god for whichever reason yeah and it's it's maddening it's a thing to overcome the backlog misery but um yeah no not to not to get too deep you know like i mean to be fair listeners let us know if you'd like to because maybe this is a topic we can talk about in a future podcast but like from a genuine mental health perspective so much of my anxiety stems from the idea that i'll never be able to finish everything i want to finish um and that is you know a classic symptom of like the sheer intense amount of choice of everything of you know it's it's i don't know if you've recently watched um uh bo burnham's inside i am obsessed with him um have been a massive fan of bo for ages but his newest special on netflix is just insane and that phrase from one of the songs which is um uh can i interest you in everything all of the time like that is just that in its sentence is the it's just everything that i think we as especially as millennials because we're the generation that kind of adapted and grew with the internet have always had that pressure of like here's everything you'll never accomplish and 
yeah, I I've I, I kind of gave up having a checklist. I started making a checklist for year on year. Um, I know my my buddy, my colleague, um, George Nash, he has like a little grid um, of games he wants to play. But the thing is with his grid, he only allows himself a certain amount of time on each game so he can never finish them. And oh. that, in itself, yeah, see, that stresses me out. That yeah. triggers me. I'm like, oh, I need to finish a game. Um yeah, it's it's a lot, man. We're I mean, hey, listen listen to our problems, listener. We have too much to enjoy in our lives. There is such a thing as too much. Too many oh, simple dear. problems oh, to dear. overcome. <laughs> and I think just oh, another little layer to sneak in there. I love a replayable game. If I can I love going back to a game I love, but then at the same time you go back to it and then you feel like you're taking away time from a new mm, game yeah. you could be playing. And it's it, all those loves that you've never loves for games that you've never love stories yeah, you've never unlocked, never, unlocked, you know, never discovered yeah. yeah yeah i know what you mean it's like when i watch a rerun of something and i'm like why am i watching always sunny in philadelphia again when i have new things to watch but yeah. we get a bit of comfort in that don't we so um but this is why i like the fact that you've introduced me to loads of new games you know you've introduced me to kota which i never played before i'm currently playing half-life as well the, the original half-life so that i can uh do an episode on that with um um, with my friend Ben uh, Rose. So a uh, different Ben, which will be confusing, I imagine, for the listeners. Um, but yeah, it's been amazing to chat you through with you, dude. And next time we have Gamescom in August. Yeah, that comes on quick, doesn't it? Two months. Only two months. Only two months. And in between that, I reckon Sony will like, they'll get their uh, state of play in there as well. Oh yeah, they'll deliver a, a heavy blow with something, I'm sure. Probably with Kratos' axe. Yeah, most likely. Ooh. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. Alrighty. Well, I guess that's us done. Uh, if you watched E3, let us know your thoughts. Um, we've obviously got some amazing games coming up to cover on the podcast. Um, and we're nominated for an award. Oh my God. I forgot to mention that. We're nominated for an award. Um, by the time this comes out, to be honest, I think the voting will have closed, but I have plugged about it quite a lot on social media anyway. But we're nominated for an award, Ben. Well, hey. Exciting times. Fuel that passion. Yes. Here's to more awesome narrative deep dives. Here's to more chats about games in general with you. Uh, Yeah, I guess that's it, my love. Would you like to show yourself out? The the door's over there. Mind how you go. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) And then we just hear clunk. Did you hear that? (laughs) I stomped away. Your neighbours are like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) 